is up you guys welcome to movie club i like to say it is just like a book club but way more fun i'm your host molly lee and i am so excited that you're here because i love nothing more than sharing my hot takes and having firm opinions about things that truly do not matter in this world but i love movies and i can't wait to discuss all of our brilliant conclusions and absolute garbage opinions about them so as always there will be spoilers ahead Happy Monday, you guys, and welcome to the first ever movie club. I am so excited about this. It's unreal. I love movies. I love reviewing them. If you follow my personal Instagram, you know that all the time on my stories, I'm reviewing movies, documentaries, TV shows, whatever it is. People love to send me in stuff, and I love it so much. So this podcast is literally just going to be a long version of my Instagram story. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to get all of our thoughts out there, and I cannot wait. Also, I want to say thank you because already from week one, I had so many people watch the movie, so many people engage with the stories and sending me their thoughts and DMing me things. It was amazing, and I will say there are some people that hated this movie so much, which just makes me smile inside because I love to hate things as well, which is terrible to admit. Not very Christian of me, but I don't care. Um, And it does make me sad too, because I genuinely love this movie so much. And I know some of you might not follow me. This is the first ever movie club, whatever. I don't want people to think that it's always going to be a rosy time on the movie club here with the first week. I'm not always going to pick movies that I love. I might pick some movies intentionally that I think are terrible because other people love them. Um, And if you guys wear me down enough, I might pick Princess Bride, even though that is my least favorite movie of all time. Um, So since this is the first ever movie club, I want to give you guys a rundown of what this is going to look like. Obviously, I'm not going to do this every week, but just just to get us all on the same page here. So this, like I said, is basically just going to be exactly what I do on my Instagram stories, just in podcast form. So I'm going to start off giving my thoughts of the movie, um, letting everyone know the moments that stood out to me, the little moments and the little details that I thought just were magical or, or horrible or whatever it was. Then we're going to move into questions or comments or DMs that I got on Instagram. So I always ask people to send me their thoughts and their feelings. And so many people replied to me. And like I said, some people genuinely detested this movie so much. So I've written a ton of stuff down and I'm going to share everyone's responses. Or not everyone's, but enough responses. I, I grouped them all with the same idea. So hopefully everyone feels like they're heard. And at the end of every review... We're going to go over some questions that I've written that I think determine, well, not really determine if a movie's good or not, but just help us understand more about the movie or understand how we feel about the movie. So it's just going to be a set of questions we're going to ask about every movie to try to keep some form of continuity. I don't know. Just to have a scale, I think it's good. And then I'm going to give my final score at the end. It's going to probably be different than a public score. And I don't think we can fully do a public score yet, but maybe that's just because on the poll that I did, the ratings were so high but also on other movie review sites the ratings for crazy rich asians are just astronomically like high people love this movie so much so whatever i'll go ahead and give the number of what it was this week and at the very end of this episode in this episode only i'm going to be doing a bonus review for you of he's all that and this is only because i went on instagram and ranted this week about how terrible i thought this netflix remake was starring addison ray tiktok superstar it was, it, it hurt me physically to watch it. And I'm going to be reviewing it because I didn't have enough um, brain power at the time because that movie wore me down so much to give my full thoughts and feelings. But I also care too much about this podcast and this movie club that I refuse to waste a full week dedicated to reviewing that movie because I don't think it deserves it. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to be doing a bonus review, quick review. It'll probably be five minutes or less, probably less of the he's all that, the she's all that remake. I'm already sad about it because I, I'm getting mad all over again. So, and then at the very, very end, I will give next week's movie. So make sure you listen to the very end so that you're up to date, can watch next week's movie, and we'll start this whole thing all over again. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in. There's no other way to do this. I love this movie, you guys. I genuinely do. And I know it's shocking to think that I don't have many negative things to say about this because I love to find the things that really irk me and just harp on them. But there 
were not many, many things about this movie at all that I could even think annoyed me or like were cringe to me or whatever. I love this movie so much because there are not many movies in my life that I've watched that I just felt were pure magic. Like every time I watch it too, there can be some movies that when you watch it the first time, it really stuck with you or it made you emotional or you thought it was wonderful. And then the second time you watch it or when you bring friends into the picture, you watch it back and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I like this movie so much? That has never been the case for me with Crazy Rich Asians. I just think visually it's so beautiful. Like there's so much to look at in every single scene. And my best friend Lonnie actually texted me something that I thought was really great. Is she's like, you don't see a lot of kind of the colorful cinematography and stuff that you see in this movie. You, you usually only see it in kids movies. And so it's so fun to see that on a scale for a movie that's like made for adults, you know? Um, and, and it's just wonderful. I love it so much, truly. And even from the opening scene, it's so powerful to see, which I don't want to be that person. I know this is movie club and part of movie club is we say it's more fun than book clubs because you don't have to read but I have read these books and they're I don't I actually can't think of anything off the top of my head another book that when I've watched the movie and the screen adaptation I've thought wow the movie was way better than the book but I think that is the case with this movie and I think they knocked it out of the park. Like the characters that weren't very important in the book that they made important in the movie worked. Um, the only thing that's kind of sad and I'll, I'll mention it again later is um, Astrid. They they like minimized her part so much and she's one of my favorite characters. And so anyways, that's getting too far ahead of us. So I just want to go through the movie. These are These are things that when I was watching, I wrote down that they stuck out to me or just observations that I had. But like I said, even from the opening scene, this movie's so powerful. I think they almost could have expanded this opening scene a little more and not rushed it um, because it, it obviously shows so much of the prejudice that, that happened with this family or different things like that. And it's the scene where they walk into the hotel and she's like, hey, we talked on the phone. I want to get our room. And he's like, no, you're in the wrong place. There's no way. And so already it shows this vast divide culturally and with with prejudice and racism and judgments that are happening um, against this family. And it's so powerful and such like a, a heck yeah moment to see her walk out and come back and you find out that she's the new owner of the hotel. It is the perfect mic drop moment. Um, and so it's truly sad that the mom in this movie turns out to be such a tyrant and horrible person because in that moment, you want to love her. You want to be like, that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the girl. Like, I don't know what else to say about her, but that is such an incredible scene. So then when you transition into the next scene where we meet Rachel, our main character, main character energy, I hated that. Why did I say that? I don't know. But we meet our main character we find out that she is a professor at NYU. She teaches game theory, um, economics, very smart. And we start to meet the characters and their love story. So I, I don't have much to say about the very, very beginning, but the way that the news spread about Nick bringing Rachel home was so, reminded me so much of my hometown, it's insane. It's like the news spreading that fast, the rumors starting, even when they pan to the Bible study, the women at Bible study, and them like, you know, figuring out who she is and asking questions to Nick's mom and all this stuff, that it, it almost sent like a, a trigger of like a, an eye twitch or something because it reminded me so much of my hometown that it was comical. But that's truly how news spreads. Like there's no other way to say it. There was no way that that was like, you might think it was super dramatized. No, it was perfect. It was the perfect way to show how gossip spreads in a small society, in a small town, that kind of thing. The next thing that I loved, just even from like a directing standpoint was the way that they introduced the family by doing the cutaway shots. You know, the, they talk about Astrid and they talk about the crazy cousin. Like, as they're talking about all of these family members, they're doing the cutaway shots to show them in their elements. So you can get to know them. And I just thought that was a really fun way to introduce them because that's the way my brain works when I'm like reading a book and finding out about people. And I just noticed this time around when I was watching um, that I just, I really loved that creative decision because I think it just perfectly 
it, it just perfectly pieced everyone together. And when you have such a large cast in a movie and you have a lot of different storylines overlapping, it's like those people, you will never forget them. So even later on in the movie, when it cuts to the party at um, the grandma's house, you, you see all of these these characters that you're like, oh, I know who they are. Like, you don't have to introduce them again necessarily because you remember it so well. And I just loved that. Speaking of our queen Astrid, Astrid's fabulous. There were so many comments that I got and messages from people saying that, like, Astrid is who they want to be in life. And I get it. And it's not just the money. Okay, let's get it out there right now. We're not greedy bitches, right? We're not. But, and I get that everything, there's good and bad to everything, but I just think it'd be fun to have that kind of money just for a day or two, a week, a month, a couple years, I don't know. It would just be so fun because I love nothing more than throwing an extravagant party, an over-the-top party, and I, I just, like, there's just so much that you can do. And Astrid is just fabulous. The energy she possesses, like, jumping ahead again, but just the character development she has, her, like, walking out of a really tough situation when she finds out that her husband's cheating on her, and also dealing with the fact that her husband thinks, or is really, really insecure about the amount of money that she has and his role as a husband and a provider and that kind of thing. I just... I love, I love her. I think she's fabulous. I think the actress is fabulous. I think the character's fabulous. And I just think we all need a little bit more of that energy in our lives. So I just want to say that right now. When we're talking about the cutaways and introducing the family, Astrid is, is amazing. Okay. Another character that I thought just sells the movie for a lot of people is, is Peeklin. And I think Aquafina did such a fantastic job in this role. And usually I don't like actors that come into a role and it seems like they're so much themselves that you can't watch another movie without them acting exactly the same. You know what I mean? It's like there's just some people that have such distinct either little it's like the Matthew McConaughey effect. Like in every movie he tries to tie in the all right all right all right line or something. I really can't necessarily watch a movie with Matthew McConaughey and not think that it's just Matthew McConaughey in a movie. Like, I don't really get into the character. And Aquafina has such a strong personality. Her voice is so distinct. Like, there's so many things about her. But every movie that she's in that I watch, I'm like enamored with her and I think she's great. So I don't know how she found the loophole for me, to be honest, because it's not just the comedy, because there are some comedians that I have that same feeling and I'm not into it. But for some reason with Aquafina, I think it's fabulous. And I thought she sold this role so much. This was a role that from the book was like really really exaggerated but it works because it's not just her it was her whole family like they played such a bigger role in her and her story and all of that but I loved it and she has so many iconic lines as Paiklin like so many iconic and funny moments in her family one of my favorite lines in this movie is when they're eating dinner and they say uh, I think it's her dad that says eat all your nuggets there are children starving in America I just think that's one of the funniest lines ever because it shows a lot of the Americanized mindset that America is wealthy and the rest of the world is poor and a third world country kind of thing. I just thought it was brilliant and I love that line and there aren't many times in a movie that I sit there and I'm laughing out loud but every single time I've watched this movie that line gets me because I forget about it and I'm laughing out loud all over again or when she's talking to Rachel and she says like you need to ask his mom to cut you a check for for a million dollars. They do that around here or 10 million dollars. She'll do it. Honestly, I think I would have taken the money and run at that point but that's beside the point. I did have quite a few comments of people saying, like, not only was Aquafina their favorite part of this movie, but even someone said that she was the only good part of this movie, which, like, to each their own, that is an opinion that you are allowed to have. It's an interesting fan theory, but I just think there are a lot of good parts of this movie, and that's all that I have to say. So if we're going to continue where we are in the movie, um, you know, we've just met the college roommate. She's fabulous. Her family's fabulous. They give Rachel a little makeover so she's not walking into his ama's house looking crazy and not prepared and dressed, which also I think is a big like character default for Nick. I don't know if that's so much a character default of like, oh, that makes him endearing. I just think it's rude. Like, 
First of all, why would you not tell Rachel about your family? That's confusing to me, which I get it, but you don't have to go into details, but still tell her after a year. Are you kidding? But also to not tell her like what to wear, what to expect, I just think is like setting her up for failure, which I, I don't know. And, and again, I get too drawn into movies, but that's why we're having a movie club. So just let me have my obsession and move on. But the first scene that we see with Eleanor and Nick's mom is so intense and I think it sets the scene totally and completely for Nick's mom and her personality and obviously throughout the movie we find out a little bit more about how like she was also not accepted by the family which is why she's hard on Nick which also makes it confusing for why she won't accept Rachel like if she wasn't accepted why would you not want to overly show love and support and acceptance of your son's girlfriend soon to be fiance but I mean everyone's different I guess and everyone has a different response so this was hers but I I think too in that first scene where we meet Nick's mom and she's in the kitchen and like you know making sure everything's in its place it shows the difference between the culture of or the culture and the American mindset, I guess, um, which obviously they, they made that very obvious that that's what they were trying to do. But the whole conversation about, you know, the Rachel's mom being a self-made woman and being a single mom, like, honestly, when I was watching the movie for the first time and hearing that, it's like you, you almost get excited because you're like, wow, what all she must have gone through. That's so amazing. You see the strength. But to see the vast difference of our mindset of that as Americans or like the Americanized mindset in that and difference culturally like was it I thought they they really showed that well so you know following passions to that kind of thing it was so interesting thought-provoking and honestly a tough watch because of the harsh truth that she gives back to Rachel but even outside of Nick's mom in this moment, like, you kind of see Rachel, you know, like, the lovable main character that she is, just kind of stumbling her way through this night where she's meeting a lot of friends and family and really experiencing Nick's family for the first time. This party was outrageous and I loved it. Again, I love an over-the-top party and it just, I get that, you know, some people see that and see social anxiety. I also have social anxiety, which is weird, but I think it's different if I'm, like, throwing the party or one of the hostesses, then I want it to be the most elaborate over-the-top thing of all time. And one of the things I love so much about this movie is they did everything so well because some movies, when they're throwing you know, a big party or a dance or something, you you almost cringe at what they've done because it doesn't look fun at all. It's almost like in every Hallmark movie where there's a, quote, big night or big dance or, or something, a wedding. It, they're, obviously, it's, it's not exciting at all. Like, they try to make it seem like it's this huge wedding and so exciting. But what I love about this movie is they don't have to force it. Like, they did everything so well that you watch this scene and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be there. Or the polar opposite of, oh my gosh, that's my nightmare, which I'm of the thought that any emotion in a movie is good because it, it's evoking emotion. It makes you feel something. So no matter what it was that you felt, you cannot deny that these scenes and the way they shot this was just incredible. So moving on now into the crazy portion of the movie, I think for me, with when you think about the Bachelor and Bachelorette scene, like, these were insane, both of them, because of what the, the whole fish thing and the blood that happened to Rachel and also just the crazy shipping tank bachelor party that they threw for Colin. It's, it's crazy, right? But I almost hated how extravagant they made this specifically, which I get that I'm probably on the, um, I'm probably one of the only people that thinks that because some people like love it and I know I've talked about the over-the-top stuff so it doesn't make sense. My brain is, is crazy but I, I think that those moments in the book and in the movie were uh, almost too over-the-top like my brain can't comprehend it and it makes me almost hate those parts of the movie a little bit because it feels unrealistic to me. Um but also I just maybe cannot understand someone having that kind of money or the life that comes with having that kind of money. So that's that. Like everything's exaggerated, but those bachelor and bachelorette scenes were outrageous. So I think, you know, when all that happens and you see the horrible things happen to Rachel, one of the negative things that I do have to say about this movie, besides obviously what I just said, <laughs> another negative thing I have to say about this movie is I don't like 
that we don't really see bad things happen to these really mean girls. And I don't understand why, like, the bride, I don't understand why she's friends with those people who are so horribly mean. But maybe it comes back to, to the, like, just social status that in those circles that they were trying to prove the whole movie, I guess. But the fact that, like, there were no repercussions for that is kind of crazy. I know Rachel, quote, chose to take the high road and buried the fish with Astrid, but I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. It seemed like that was kind of a plot hole that they missed that they didn't really expound upon or, like, a creative decision that maybe I don't understand even from a writing perspective. So, after that crazy scene, like, one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is the dumpling scene, of course, until it's ruined by Nick's mom, but it was so fun, and then Nick's mom, of course, has to just cut out your heart in the worst way, because you think you're gonna have this really sweet moment now that we've learned more about her story, and we start to see the ring, and then, you know, we see that moment where she's telling Rachel about the ring, and it's the perfect setup, literally the perfect setup for her to say, I wasn't accepted, and I want to accept you, and instead, what does she say? She says, you will never be enough. I know you'll never be enough, because I was told I was never enough, and I see that in you. This line breaks my heart so much. I think just personally, I have a huge heart for, like, especially with girls and younger girls. That's been a lot of my job is speaking worth into younger girls and teaching them about their own self-worth. So, anytime someone's told that they're worthless or they're struggling with that, it just literally cuts my heart out and, like, I feel so much for them and I just wanted to reach into the screen and slap Nick's mom in the face and say, listen up, lady get the F out of here, bro. Go back to your dumplings, your bad dumplings that your your mother-in-law said were bad. Um, it was just painful. It's honestly very, very painful. And I, I loved to see the turnaround from that scene where Rachel decides like, okay, I'm gonna strap on my boots. I'm gonna not let them get to me, whatever. And the whole scene, you know, there everyone, I know you cheese balls, you, you rom-com cheese balls, love to see a nice, you know, dressing montage where they're trying on outfits, they're doing all of that. I don't care for those in movies. Every time I see one, I kind of roll my eyes. But Rachel's outfit to go to the wedding is stunning. It's breathtaking. It's spectacular. Now transitioning into the wedding itself. It's stunning. It's breathtaking. It's spectacular. I'm going to be bold enough to make a claim that this wedding is the best wedding that's ever been in a movie. And it's probably the new standard for people who are making a movie where there's a wedding involved. This is probably the new standard if they're trying to be extravagant of even if it's not like, how do we top this? I, I would think people have to ask the question of how do we invoke the same emotion that people felt when they watched that scene? And what I would give to go back and watch this in the movie theaters again for the first time, because I, I love that, you know, everyone gets a chance to watch this movie now, streaming, whatever. But watching this movie and especially this wedding scene in the theaters, it's like everyone collectively gasped when the water started and when she starts stepping down the aisle, there was a hush around the room and everyone gasped at the same time. And that's all anyone could talk about for weeks after they saw this movie. It was all over Twitter. It was everywhere. Like, this is what people were talking about. And I just have to imagine that now this has set, like, the standard for extravagant weddings and movies. I mean, it's it's beautiful. I, I don't even know what to say about it. And I hate that I'm, like, crushing on this movie so hard because I want to be able to like rip this movie apart and give the unpopular opinions but I just can't I cannot with this movie because I I just think they did a really fantastic job and it's honestly not even the big dramatic drawn out moments that get me from this scene it's the little ones when you see that Astrid after the scene finally happens where she ditches her husband and says like I don't I'm not gonna lower myself to your standard, um, you know, and then we see that Ama has come to the wedding when they even say she never comes to these things and that she's escorting Astrid and the line of, like, family never says sorry, I just think is amazing. You see the little details of, like, Nick and Rachel staring at each other during the whole time, um, like, nothing, like I said, will compare to watching that moment in theaters, so it was just really beautiful and, I don't know. But I think, too, what we learn, because then you see the reception scene where everything goes south, 
where Nick's mom has staged a coup and hired the private investigator to reveal all the details about Rachel's past. Like, obviously, if we're going to really get deep, like, Nick's mom is a very insecure person because of the pain that she felt in the start of her relationship. She talks about it so much. Um, And even especially from Nick's grandmother, and you still see those lines where, like, after she reveals this information and they say, Rachel, you cannot be here, you can't be with him, that kind of stuff, and both of them leave, Nick and Rachel leave, like, the grandmother even looks at Nick's mom and says, this is your fault. So, it's obviously, it's it's something that I've coined of, like, active forgiveness. I say that a lot about people in my own life. It's easy to forgive people that have, that have hurt you once and you never have to see them again, but how do we continually forgive the people in our lives, right? It's like, that's the moment because you understand. It's like, oh, this isn't something that happened, you know, 30 years ago and was dealt with and now you're here now. It's like, this is still going on, that she's still having to deal with this thought and this idea and this reality that she might not be good enough for people or that people still don't see her worth and value. So, it's heartbreaking, but it's it's really, really sad beyond this to think about, like, that's people's realities. I wouldn't know about that. I'm not married, but people's realities, especially by their in-laws or by people that and even their own families, if it's not in-laws, it could be immediate family that you're not accepted or you're not seen or you're not valued or you're kind of like the butt of every joke. It's almost too real. It's almost like that's the most dramatic scene of all time because of the private investigator, that kind of thing. Of course, we have to think in the context of the world they're creating with the movie, but it's, it's like the feelings at the core of that scene are very, very real and very heartbreaking to think about. But, you know, Nick's the classic hashtag good guy. He's got good guy syndrome. Calling Rachel's mom, even though she kind of hates him at this point and hates his family for sure, he called her mom, flew her out so he could be there with her. Classic good guy move. You know, like, if someone did that for me, I would simply die, but then because of the way that I'm wired and in the weird parts of my brain, I would also not trust them because I'm like, why are you being so nice to me when I hate you so much? Like, you're supposed to hate me back. I don't understand. So, all of these things happen. Like, it's obviously a really dramatic thing to also find out about all that kind of stuff or the truth about your parents' lives when you're an adult. It's one of the weird things of adulting is, like, finding out that your parents are real people. (laughs) a little shudder, a little shiver down your spine as I say that. Um, but what I love too is right after this, when she, she's met with her mom, she's talked with her and then she goes to meet with Nick and he proposes, they do the classic cutaway where you don't know what's happened. So then as we transition, guys, I promise I'm landing the plane. I just have a lot of thoughts about this movie. So when we transition into the classic Mahjong slam down, the slam down heard around the world, followed by the Astrid slam down too, the official Astrid slam down, gotta say. But this scene, I hate that I'm this person that's like being so cliche about it. This scene is so powerful. It really, really is. Because if we're, if again, we're really going to break it down and think about it, there were so many moments, not only from what each of them were saying about worth and about acceptance and about her saying that I got to the place where he asked me and I said no, because no matter what, when you have grandkids one day, it's going to all be because of me anyways. Um, You also see that she has the peace that she knows because she's so good at this game that she knows that Nick's mom needs it. And she finally decides to set it down, knowing that either way she's going to win is just like incredible. Um, So obviously this is a super empowering scene. We see her leave with her mom. She has her dignity. She doesn't need no man. She's fine on her own. But this is the first time I've ever watched this movie that I realized that that whole scene was a callback basically to Rachel's opening scene where she's she's teaching this class, the game theory class. Again, she's a game theory professor, so obviously she's really smart about this stuff, thinks about the psychology, not just what's happening. And she she does a callback basically to her opening scene where she tells the student, you were not playing to win, you were playing not to lose. And I think almost in that moment, she says a line that's very, very similar. I can't remember what her exact words were in that moment with Nick's mom. But it was such a powerful callback to the beginning of like, I'm playing to win and not to lose. So either way, you're not going to get me because I've covered my bases here. And I just think it's very, very powerful. But it's the first time I've watched that move, that scene of this movie and been like, 
oh my gosh, she's a game theory professor. She went back to her element, to what she was most comfortable with. This was a nod to her opening scene and her occupation and just her being a really accredited, amazing person. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it, I just felt kind of like a dummy that I didn't realize that before, you know? But then with her walking off with her mom, very special moment, obviously. And then we get to the final scene of this movie, the plane scene. Now, I gotta be honest, again, all you rom-com lovers are gonna think I'm heartless. I hate an airport scene in a movie. I hate a plane scene where you're chasing someone down, you don't know if you're gonna be late or not, that kind of thing. I just, I don't like it. I don't know if I think it's overdone or I, I don't really know, to be honest, why I don't like it. I just hate it. This scene wasn't as cringe as the others because at the end, of course, we see that after the slam down that Rachel put on Nick's mom once again, um, that when Nick proposes a second time, it's with his mom's ring this time, meaning that she has her blessing. So it's a very sweet movie. We have to end on an extravagant note, of course, by the over-the-top elaborate engagement party. It's very fun. We have synchronized swimmers, which is always exciting. You don't see that every day. And then even when you think the movie's over, you see a little, little surprise at the end, um, after some of the credits roll, where we see Astrid look over at a guy, and they look at each other and kind of smirk, and you get excited, because it's perfectly setting up things for a second movie. So, that was Crazy Rich Asians, all my thoughts on it overall, just to round up. I know we just did basically a overview of the entire movie. Um, but overall, I, I do think that this is a fantastic movie, not just from the story and the actors and everything else, but visually, it's incredible. The elements that they included, like, nothing was skipped. Nothing was half-assed, as they say. Like, everything was excellent, but some of you guys did not think so. So, now I'm going to share a lot of the comments and questions or things that I got from Instagram, messaged me, DM'd, all kinds of stuff. There were a lot of people, to be honest, that said Nick is dull, basically, that he's he's too romantic, he's kind of cringy, but then at the same time doesn't even tell Rachel what to expect about his family or tell Rachel about his family at all. And so, they were like, you know, the actor... Henry Golding, great, very cute, whatever, but the character is just lacking a little bit, like, and someone also said, he bought Rachel such a small ring, he doesn't deserve love, which is a lot. I think that that is a very bold statement, but I'm into it. Um, someone asked, why is the dad gone? Great question. I honestly cannot remember in the books if the dad came back at some point. I think he did, but I can't remember, but I guess they're just trying to paint the picture of how much of a workaholic Nick's dad is not sure. There were so many comments and and reviews about the wedding. And again, the most beautiful and magical wedding. Someone said this is the new movie standard for weddings. Breathtaking, amazing. I had a lot of people say that this scene just completely crushed them because of how incredible they thought it was and how this, when they think about this movie, what they think about is that scene, which I agree. I think that that is the scene that sets this movie apart. Even if that scene wasn't in it, the movie would be great, but with that scene, it sent the movie from, like, a great movie to kind of out of this world range. So, like I shared earlier, my friend Lonnie texted me and talked about how you really only see visuals like this and the the colorful cinematography in kids' movies, but it's so amazing to see that adapted for adults. And not a movie that's a kid's movie that adults are going to watch and be like, oh, that's amazing. Like, it's fun that from the get-go, they knew their target audience and they were like, we're still going to be over the top because that's what this is. So, I had someone else say that this is their go-to comfort movie, that they re-watch it all the time. And I had a couple people say that they always watch this movie when they're flying. So, there could be a level of comfort movie in that too, of like when you're flying, you throw it on. Or there could be a thousand reasons for that, but... I agree. To me, you can watch this movie a lot. And some people, it's like a one and done. It was a lot of elements. They watch it once. They don't want to watch it again. To me, I could watch this movie all the time and not get tired of it. So, someone said, Astrid deserved more screen time. I'm starting a justice for Astrid movement and that she's one of somebody's favorite characters ever. I agree with all of this. You guys know that I, from my Astrid rants throughout this podcast, I agree with that. I think they really minimized her role in this movie, which this is also already a kind of long movie, so I get it. But if you love Astrid, 
I would recommend you read the book. Now, I know I keep talking about the books and I don't want to do that on Movie Club, but if you like Astrid, read the books because they go into a lot more detail with Astrid. She's like really, really, really a main character in the book, not so much in the movie, Um, but it's great. Someone said that they could not find one flaw in this movie. I think that's reaching a little bit, but I also understand it. I think that's just the pessimistic side of me being like, nothing's perfect, watch again, find a flaw, and let me know. Someone else wrote in and asked why the British accents, which I know they said this maybe once or twice in the movie, but they didn't really harp on it. They harped on it, obviously, a lot in the book. Um, They went to a British boarding school, Nick and all of his friends. That's why they have British accents, because they're rich and they can do stuff like that. So, someone else said that Aquafina was the only good part of this movie. You know, I disagree, but also that's a fair claim. I understand why you made that claim. And I did have a lot of guys watch this movie, and they were like, this was not my cup of tea, but I watched anyways. And a lot of them had the same thing to say, that, like, there were parts that they laughed at, um, that, you know, there were funny moments, whatever, which I consider a win. Because do you know how many movies that other people will watch, and they'll be like, there's no, not one part of this movie that I enjoyed? I think that's a testament to this movie, that even if people don't necessarily like it, or they're not super into it, there's still a part of the movie that they look back on fondly, which I think is special. Um, And a big thing that most people wrote in was, how are the mean girls never addressed in this movie? My mom said some violent things to me that she thinks should happen to those mean girls. And like, how how is the bride still friends with them? I don't really know. I think that that's a big plot point that was missed that they could have at least done one thing about or shown something. Like, I don't know how you basically terrorize a girl on your bachelorette trip and don't do anything about it, even if she, quote, didn't say anything. But it, it just seems weird that we didn't see any repercussions on that end. Hopefully, in the next movie, we'll see some. We'll see a more realistic approach of how to deal with bullies. And I did have a lot of people, the final thing I'll share is I had a lot of people say um, that they cry every time they've seen this movie and they've seen it about 10 times. Now, I'm not a movie crier and I did cry at this movie once. And my mom is also even more so not a movie crier. And she cried when we watched this movie this weekend at the end. She goes, oh, yeah, I think I'm crying. And I was shocked. (laughs) So this movie does invoke a lot of emotions. And like I just said, like people I think are either obsessed with this movie or they really never get drawn into the magic, which is okay. But no one messaged, no one messaged me that they absolutely hated this movie. So maybe they thought that they would just hurt my feelings and didn't want to say anything by that. If you ever hate a movie on Movie Club, tell me. Or if you love it and I hate it, tell me. I want to know. I need to know that people hate things or that they love them. Um, but it, it is surprising because every single time I do a movie review, no matter what the movie is, I have passionate hate mail that's sent to me. Not not me, but that's sent about that movie that I'm watching. Like People are passionate to message me their thoughts on it. So I am really surprised that I didn't have anyone message me that they just outright did not like this movie or that they hated it and they would never watch it again. So, I like I said, I think it is a testament that people who watch this movie, they can usually find something about it that they like, which I think is good. So, now we're to the section of the podcast where every time we review the movie, we're going to go over the following questions. So, these are the things that we look for. We look if there's a good story, good acting. We're going to ask the question if we were bored. We're going to we're going to ask the question of rewatchability or bingeability and I think it's important to say that these won't affect the score because some movies you are only supposed to watch once but it's one of the best movies you've ever seen because it's heavy or it's too much whatever so it doesn't affect the score it's just good to know it's good for us to evaluate um another question that I want to ask is plausibility so plausibility doesn't mean that it has to be realistic but it just has to make sense It has to make sense in the world that they've created, and they have to make us believe it. If we can't believe it, then that means that they did not do their job as filmmakers, because then there would be no sci-fi movies. There would be no, like, you know, other movies that are in other realms, because even if they're not, quote, realistic, they're still plausible, and they did their job. Does that make sense? And then we're going to give out bonus points for wardrobe, music, emotional responses, that kind of thing. So, now that I've given you the criteria, let's go through it together. Good acting. Yes. I hate nothing more than when someone, after all the audition processes that happen in a movie and everything, they are such a terrible actor that it distracts you from the movie. And I think I, another reason that I 
or another way that I look at this is if there was ever a part of the movie that I was drawn out of the story and with this movie there really wasn't I think everyone was such an they did such an amazing casting job everyone was amazing great acting and great story so yeah to judge on the story as a whole I am obviously very enticed by the story. I could honestly see how some people might have not been because it can seem almost like, or it can seem almost like a typical girl tries to prove herself because she's not accepted kind of story. But because of the layers to it, because of not only like the cultural identity and the cultural questions that they're raising, but how every character, you just ask so many questions about them and they all have a lot of layers to them. It's a great story and I think the writing is really well done. So the next question of were we bored? Not one bit. If you were bored in this movie, I would argue that you did not watch this movie or you d- you were distracted. There's nothing boring about this movie because even if you were bored sometimes at the dialogue, they had so much going on in every scene that there's no way you could be bored, right? I don't know. So for rewatchability or bingeability, some people are going to say no because this movie was a lot. I did have some people say like, I'm glad I watched it once, but I will never watch it again. My mom even said, I really liked this movie, but I don't know that I would ever watch it again. And she was like, if I was scrolling through channels, maybe I would click on it. But honestly, I don't know. Um, so I think it's debatable. But for me, I can. I can watch this movie a lot and never get tired of it. Um, because even though there's a lot going on, visually, it's so pleasing that it's like, I don't know, it's fine. It's kind of like the the shiny thing you get distracted. It's like put a lot of colors on a screen and I'm going to be engaged. Plausibility, it's a little too real, right? Like it invokes that emotion. It does a good job about about invoking that emotion. It's heartbreaking to think about people who aren't accepted by their family, their in-laws, like I said earlier. Um so yeah, it, it's very plausible, obviously. The only thing that would question the plausibility like I talked about was how extravagant they made some of the stuff like the bachelor and bachelorette trip but then again that might just be my pea-sized brain trying to be too realistic and not fully understanding this kind of money that these people have so now the bonus points for wardrobe music emotional response all that this gets all the bonus points the wardrobe and looks were amazing they every single one of them hit the music was fantastic Any movie, to be honest, that has the song Yellow by Coldplay in it is a winner for me. I know that that's so basic, but that's just one of those songs that every time I hear it, I just want to cry because of how many movies it's been in that have an emotional scene with it. So as soon as Yellow started playing, I was like, well, winner. Uh, This movie also makes me and most of my friends cry. And I don't really cry in movies, but it's made me cry once and that's enough for me and it makes a lot of people cry. So... I, I too think that this movie at times has made me physically angry at Nick's mom. Um, and just, and even being mad to Rachel's face mainly is what gets me. Uh, like I, like I said, I have a soft spot for worth. So if we're looking at the full range of emotions of laughter, crying, anger, being scared, being upset, questioning things, like this movie does that. It's, at least for me, it sent me on the full range of emotions and like actually feeling those in real life as I'm watching this movie. So it gets all the bonus points. So now for a score out of 10, for an overall score, this might shock some people. I just don't want to go too high on the scale. I also don't want people to think that I'm unrealistically um, rating things. So I think for me, for a score out of 10, I'm going to go with an 8.6. I want to leave room to watch my favorite movie of all time, that kind of thing. Um, But even my favorite movie of all time, I don't necessarily know that I would give it a 10, which is confusing. I don't know how that works yet. I'm talking out loud now, but my official score for this is an 8.6. I think the official Instagram score was probably a little bit higher than normal, but we can't argue with the numbers that came out of this. So the official Instagram score out of 10 is a 9.2 because we had obviously a 92% thumbs up rate on the Instagram story. So as a podcast, we've rated this movie a 9.2, which I think is fair. Personally, I've rated this movie an 8.6 because... I just, I don't know. 
this movie really is great and I like it so much, but that's, I felt that number and I think it's right. So that's where I'm staying. Um, I do want to say that not all, not every week is going to be as blissful as this. I actually can't wait until there's a movie that I hate and I can just rant and rip it apart limb from limb. Um, I want to go ahead and say what the movie for next week is going to be because some people might not be interested in the He's All That review, which is fine. So we're going to switch things up. We're going to switch gears a lot. I love all kinds of movies. My favorite movies are probably actually like action movies or really intense movies like war movies, which I know is a lot, or psychological thrillers. So to keep people engaged, I actually wanted to do another rom-com type of movie, an older movie, Um, but I thought to keep people engaged and to give people a pat on the back who were troopers this week, we're going to totally shift gears next week and watch what happens to be another one of my favorite movies, but is totally like the polar opposite of this movie. And we are going to be watching Shutter Island. Now, (laughs) some of you have seen Shutter Island and you don't like it, and I just want to say like, you don't always have to watch the movies every week if you've seen them before. Obviously, this I, everything that I, I do, I want to come out of a spirit of, like, fun and just relaxing and enjoying yourself, whatever. I love this movie so much, but I think where people go wrong with this movie, I'm getting into too much that I should save for next week, but people think of this movie as a horror movie. I don't like horror movies. I don't like scary movies. I like psychological thrillers. And when you acknowledge that this movie is not necessarily supposed to be a scary movie, like, sure, there's some some frightening parts, but when you think of it as, like, a psychological thriller and you put your brain into overdrive to, like, figure out the pieces the whole time, you will be so engaged. And I cannot wait to break it down. I'm so excited for it. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you where you can watch this movie. Of course, I'll post about it. Everything will be posted. But you can watch this movie on Netflix or Pluto TV. Now, I don't know what Pluto TV is. It just said that you could watch it for free on there. So if you happen to have Pluto TV, enjoy. And anytime I say, like, these are the places where you can watch it for free, I know that it's not really free because most of them are subscription services. But I never want people to have to pay for movies. So maybe if you have a friend also in Movie Club, you can just share your passwords to all these things. Like, real friends share their passwords. So if you got HBO Max, share that with your friend that's got the Netflix or the Prime Video so that we can just all stay engaged and in this community to where we never have to pay for movies or like we're only paying for our our lane. You know what I mean? We're only paying for our subscription service. And I just think that would be really fun. So even if you've seen this movie before and you hated it, maybe just give it another watch and just put your brain into overdrive this time because you'll notice so many details and fun things. So I'm not going to spoil it until next week, (laughs) but Shutter Island. Okay, to close out today's episode, we're going to do the really quick version of the He's All That movie review. Let me say, I do like She's All That. I know that surprises some people because it's like the cheesiest rom-com type of vibe, whatever. Um, But I think it's so weird that I'm like really into it. When you think about She's All That with like the slam poetry art scene, it just makes me laugh so hard. But I, the, the main thing that sticks out to me about this remake is the acting is atrocious. It is so bad. Like, I just don't, and I don't really necessarily think it's Addison Rae's fault, to be honest. I just don't know that they set her up for success. But even, like, the lead guy that everyone was like, oh, he's so cute. I don't even know his name. But the lead guy that everyone's like, oh, he's so cute. He was such a good actor. I didn't think his acting was good. I didn't think anyone anyone's acting was good. The only acting that I thought was good was Rachel Lee Cook, who was in the very first movie. That's that's one thing that was fun about this movie is they brought back the main character from last time to play Addison Rae's mom, but I don't know. I just, the acting was so bad. I couldn't even watch this movie. I had to pause this movie after every single scene that Addison Rae was in, which was basically the whole movie, and just let out a deep sigh because it was that bad to me. Like, it was just so awful. I can't even begin to explain it to you. And Let's also talk about how there was product placement or sponsorships in literally every single frame. I'm not exaggerating to you. Every single frame from the very first frame. And I get that there are so many movies and TV shows where there are sponsored products or product placement, that kind of thing. But even if they're not always super subtle about it, it's like one moment that we can forgive. There is no way to forgive all of the product placement in this movie. No way. From the very first scene, 
we see the EOS, or I don't know if you pronounce that, I always just say EOS, the like lip balm and lotion, whatever, like that is so prominent. Then you move into snack foods and food brands and everything else. Like every single scene had such obvious product placement in it that it made my skin crawl and it's making me physically angry all over again. I don't know, like was the budget not there, guys? Was the budget that low that you guys had to sell every single frame to the corporate America system? I don't get it. It was awful and I hated it so much. It was terrible. It was genuinely that infuriating to watch. And if you don't believe me, watch the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And the last really, really irky thing that stood out to me besides the whole plot and whole cast and whole acting of the movie um, was the wardrobe department made choices. They did make choices. That's what we can say about them. They have the ability to make choices. The choices that they made... I came to the conclusion that specifically for Addison Ray, their main character, they, the only conclusion I can reach is that someone in the wardrobe department has like a blood covenant oath against Addison Ray's family, like Hatfield and McCoy's type of stuff, where they were just determined to make her life miserable. Because I don't understand a single outfit that they did besides for the mom when she wore scrubs because she's a nurse everything was a lot. It was a lot to take in. And they tried to frame this whole story that the lead guy is like a horse guy and he takes care of horses, but even what he would wear up to the horse barn, I'm like, that's, I'm, I'm from the country and I know horse barns, but not even dingy horse barns, like nice horse barns, upper class horse barns. Like I, I've seen those two and those people and the outfit you're wearing, sir, neither one of those people would wear. It, it was just questionable at best. So I, mm, there's so much about this movie that made me die. The whole horse storyline too. Let me just say that he, the movie does end with him riding up to the high school on a horse for, to profess his love and acceptance of her apology to Addison Ray. That should be enough for you to never watch this movie. There were, there was a TikTok dance-off battle at a prom it's everything that I hate, so don't watch this movie. I'm not dedicating a full week to this movie alone, but for the people that wanted to hear my thoughts on it, there you go. That's my he's all that review. I've never rated a movie negatively. Well, not negative in the sense that I didn't like it. I do that all the time, but with a negative number, and I would rank this a negative 10 out of 10. It is the new standard for, oh, I hated that movie. Well, did I hate it more than he's all that? No. Okay, it can be a negative two. You know what I mean? Like, this is the new standard for, like, <laughs> rock bottom to me. I hated it so much. I just have to end this because if not, I'll rant. But guys, thank you so much for being a part of Movie Club. Like I said, our movie next week is Shutter Island. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. I hope you love it. I hope you hate it. I hope you tell me about it. I just want you to talk to me and tell me what you thought about it. So thanks so much for tuning in. The fun thing about Movie Club is if you're a regular listener of the podcast, then you have another episode coming out in two days, which is so fun and also very anxiety inducing for me. So let's not talk about it. But I love you guys so much. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so glad you're a part of Movie Club. As always, you can follow me on social media at MollyLee31, or you can follow the podcast on Instagram only, which is where I basically do all of the Movie Club content. So really, if you're going to be a part of Movie Club, make sure you're following there because I'll do question boxes where you can submit stuff. Um, I'll do the polls there for the official poll of the movie, that type of thing. Um, so make sure that you're following the podcast. But you can follow the podcast on Instagram only at Painfully Self-Aware Podcast. I love you guys so much, and I can't wait to talk to you next week or on Wednesday. See ya. Amen.